Hi, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. Welcome to Apocalypse Duts. Uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time zone it is. Uh, if you've been paying attention, you will notice that we were gone for a little while, and now we're back. I was uh, in Florida, which is a place that I, and I used to say this all the time, I swear I will never go to Florida. And then I went to Florida. <laughs> And it was fine. There were not as many Confederate flags as I expected. Uh, there wasn't really any, like, bullshit. It was just kind of fine. Like, it was just going to the beach in a normal way. But the Gulf of Mexico is, like, way different than Oh, it's, it's so much nicer. And, like, it's, it's, yeah, like, swimming yeah, in the Atlantic. Yeah, swimming in like, the Atlantic is like swimming in a massive fucking lake. You can't see your goddamn feet. You don't know what what these things brushing up against you are. Are they trash? Are they seaweed? Are they? It's very like, scary. Is are it they a fish? Shark? Yeah, yeah. Is it a shark? Uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, the only good point of Florida is that one of the waters is the Gulf of Mexico, and you can see your fucking feet. You don't have to walk on this shit. Yeah, yeah. And it was nice. I didn't lose my glasses in the surf. I didn't lose uh, anything. Nice. So nice. it was pretty good. And then yeah. so we fast forward, of course, there can't be good without something bad. The I will spare you the details. The flights get fucked up. American Airlines is fucking us over. We're staying in Florida for a day. We're staying in Florida for another day. Just dreadful. And then yeah. American Airlines offers us ultimately for the two tickets, $25. Yeah. Yeah, because, as compensation because, for like them fucking it up because weather, weather, yeah, like no, like, no, no, because of a crew change. Oh, right, right, crew so, timeout. Yeah, yeah, crucially yeah. not because of the weather. Um, but I digress. Whatever, we're yeah, out of yeah. that now, and we're at least I am back in Baltimore where I fucking belong. <laughs> if, if there is anyone listening that works for American Airlines in any capacity. Uh, tell your boss to tell their boss to tell their boss, et cetera, et cetera, to go fuck themselves. Or to hook me up with another $25 oh. credit. Right. Or you know, to hook if you gave us 50 bucks, we call it a day. Right, right, yeah. Uh, while Connor was suffering... So and, what about you, Matt? Yeah, while you were suffering the bowels of fucking Florida, uh, which, on the record, there is no amount of money, booze, or drugs on the face of the earth that would make me willingly go to that place ever again uh but i digress i i was up picking in uh central tennessee and central kentucky um and it was fucking great like the weather was so much nicer uh my friend l and i camped um for a couple of nights and like you know it's nice to wake up being shout chilly uh shout out l she is the best uh the opportunity shop on instagram um, for all your wonderful women's wear needs and a little bit of men's wear. Um, but yeah, like it, it was a great time. We always eat like basic ass Mexican food, which is personally my favorite. And there's one spot, like anytime I think about this, we eat this every year. Um, it, they have a veggie chimichanga, which is just chef's kiss. Like it's got, got tons of fajita veggies, got some mushrooms, got some squash. Like it's just a, a fucking bomb. Um, so yeah, we, we pick and eat Mexican food and go through, uh, like Southern Appalachia. And to be honest, like 
I've kind of fallen in love with like central Kentucky. Uh, lots of really rad people. They dig these things out of like rivers and caves and shit that are billions of years old called geodes. Um, and it's basically a rock, but when you crack it, it has like crystallized shit inside. I don't know what it is. Uh, there's probably. gold in the geode. Yeah, there, there's no gold, but like these things are fucking beautiful. Yeah. And like, you know, like we met this, uh, we met this one lady that literally had four to 5,000 of these that she had dug out herself um, and was just like selling them for, I think, one, $1 for a small one or $5 for a big one. Uh, and like just those kind of people, like really rad folks that, uh, salt of the earth, salt of the earth, but also like, like oddly, uh, progressive and like correct thinking about a lot of shit. Like we heard, uh, well, I don't think that salt of the earth necessarily no, means de- like, definitely not, but, but I mean, when I, I feel like when people think of Kentucky, when they think of the South, they think that, that it's all like racist assholes. That's like grandpappy was in the kkk and you're like no like rednecks uh come from a long line of like you know union and like whatever the fuck supporters like they were radicals in their day and a lot of these people are descended from that and like that exists so much in the south but never gets talked about uh or or rarely gets talked about but you know like we heard uh some random old dude talking about how like what we did to indigenous people was super fucked up because we gave them smallpox blankets and shit. And you're like, motherfucker, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, and this dude is talking about that. Like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Well, but the anyway, South, I mean, it's really, yeah, it's yeah, really, it's, uh, not, it's really you know, never discussed. It's, it's rarely discussed. And when it is, it's like, it's talked about in a very pejorative way because it's like, oh, this isn't normal. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, this is normal. Like, there are tons of good people that aren't Confederate worshipers in the fucking South, because that's where, you know, that's where a lot of radical shit went down and was born. But I digress. Kentuckians, if there's any of you listening, I love your fucking state. Uh, I would move there in a heartbeat for some, like, one-room shack on a forgotten highway. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what we've been up to the past couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, thanks for... Thanks for listening. Um, we have a fucking killer show coming up this week um, with a gentleman that I've known for a few years named Chris Walker. Uh, he is a minor Instagram celebrity. Um, not not really, but if you like Americana and vintage, you probably know Chris. Uh, and yeah, we had a great conversation. Um, extremely well-dressed. Extremely, extremely well-dressed. Well dressed. Super yeah. high production value on the fit picks uh very nice shout out posts to people who he admires which is just like so obvious that it like if we lived in a perfect world there would be more tribute posts to people uh but we don't but chris lives in that perfect world and if you want to experience that then our show is a good one Yes, it is. And if, if this were a perfect world, more people like Chris would exist. But, you know, we can, we can, yeah, only, do, we can only do what we can do. Um, but, yeah, we hope you enjoy the show. Um, if you would like to send us some support, uh, we do this because we love it. But, hey, man, if you like what you hear, send us a couple of bucks. Like, everything helps. Um, Connor's Venmo. Or one buck. Or one buck. Yeah, we don't give a shit. Uh, Connor Fowler. Uh, 
Connor's Venmo is at Connor-Fowler. Uh, his PayPal is ConnorFowler at gmail.com. And yeah, thank you so much. Uh, also, keep submitting your uh, early ensembles, old fit pictures. We love those. And like, it's fun as shit to see everyone's evolution. So. Or uh, we, if you've got, like, a baby picture where you have on a funny outfit, we like yeah, to see that. Yeah, we want to see yeah. your when you're seven years old. You have a costume that your grandma made. You first realized that clothing could be made by people and not by machines, and it led you to this. You see where this goes. So yeah, there's a lot yeah. in those pictures. So there's please send them to us. Please, please send them to us. And uh, as always, thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome. Today, our special guest, musical archivist, the denim daddy, the triumphant troubadour, the conscientious collector, an all-around nice guy, Christopher Walker, at Dad Style. Chris, welcome to the show. How do you do? Well, hello, Connor. Thank you for that fantastic intro. As always, an amazing intro to bring all your guests in right into the fold so that <laughs> everybody can know who they are and where they're coming from. Um, oh, yes. I'm doing well. How, how are the two of you? Yeah, I have pretty... an ear infection. Oh, yeah. Are, are you wait? Are, are are you just running on one headphone right now? Yeah, dude. I'm in the show in mono in my right ear, which right, is like weird right. and annoying. Uh, but the one the the doctor told me to not put the headphones into the ear, which I was like, what? But it yeah. makes sense, I guess, because your earbuds are dirty. Totally, totally. Oh man, that's rough. Oof. Yeah, I, I'm doing much better than Connor is. Uh, it, it is not nearly yeah. as hot and yeah. humid as it has been. And uh, I ha had a nice morning drinking coffee on the porch. So solid, mm. solid day. Nice. Uh, so Very Chris, uh, where? So the first question we usually do is a two-parter. Uh, where are you from, and where do you live now? Uh, let's see. So I was born in Washington D.C. Um, and then lived kind of in Latin America, Central and South America, growing up. My father was in the Foreign Service, so bounced around Bolivia, Honduras, and El Salvador. And I spent some, you know, with a couple of years here and there back in like Rockville, Maryland. That was kind of like the, our home base. Um, Don't go back to Rockville. And then I know the, the thing is, is that I did go back to Rockville multiple times. I was like, <laughs> Michael Stipe, you don't, you don't tell me what to fucking do, Michael Stipe. Uh, but <laughs> nice. I, even, like, I even fucking moved there with when I started a family. My wife and I moved there, bought a house. I'm like, well, I guess I'm in Rockville now. Like time to raise some kids. Um, but now currently, actually, we... In 2020, we packed up and moved all the way to San Francisco, which is where I am right now. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, as someone yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I love the East Coast, but I, I also have had like good times on the West Coast over the years. Like what are what are the differences for you? Like San Francisco versus like outside yeah. like, DC metro area seems kind of stark. Yeah, for sure. Like the weather is, is a big one. Like summertime, it, it gets cold and yeah. you fucking like you're wearing as many sweaters as possible like it's it's such a layer game out here which is cool i'm down with layers you yeah, like, never sure. know like you, we just we just drove to drop off like a piece of medical equipment we had a like a, a medical bed for my wife's grandmother and we were like going to donate it to this church and just driving 15 minutes the complete it's a complete change temperature wise Holy i drive shit. down to palo alto for my work yeah, it's fucking like in the 80s, and then I'll drive back to the city, and it's in the like low 60s, and it's yeah. chilly, and that crazy sort of like like uh, like whiplash weather-wise every single day is is kind of rough. 
But it's also cool as shit because this place, like, you don't like the weather, you just get in your car and drive a little bit, and you're going to be in a complete. The, the like the variation to environment out here is insane, and being yeah. by the ocean and and just how beautiful it is is also pretty incredible. Totally, totally, and and also NorCal is so much better than SoCal in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I've actually spent no time in Southern California. My even yeah, though my father kind to. of like grew up there. No. Yeah. Nah, nah. They, 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 sorry, LA, San Diego, whatever the fuck, people love y'all. Hate the fucking area. Can't can't do it. Really? What's 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 what? What do you dislike about it? So like, LA basically reminds me of a bigger Atlanta. It takes like mm-hmm. it's a massive like sprawling metro area that takes so fucking long to go anywhere. It's like yo, I, I want to go get a coffee. The place is a mile and a half away. It's gonna take me twenty five minutes to get there for some dumb fuck reason. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, San Diego's better, but I, I just really do not like LA at all. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry to go on that LA tangent. No, but, uh, no. I, well, I can't say that I am like that endeared to it. You know, at least from know, knowing what I know, I don't want to be in a car that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. There isn't a car in the world that I would want to be in that much. <laughs> right. And of course, we sit in the war in some of the worst traffic in the country in Baltimore, D.C. area. So, really, just kind of is what it is. Yeah. So, Connor, are you like, uh, are you from Baltimore? I wish. I am from a little town outside of Annapolis called Riva. Um, mm-hmm. But I moved to Baltimore to go to school, and I have been here ever since and have become something of an evangelist for the city because mm. it's a great town. <laughs> it is, for sure. It's a cool place. Yeah, I mean, it really, like, I don't know. I, I, I will say not a lot about it, but I feel like I have to because it's an underdog. It is, it is. like an internationally reviled place, and that is good. Like, that is a good thing. That is a chip on our shoulder, I think. Uh, people hate us. Don't come here. Wow. I, uh, yeah. I, shit, I, I, I didn't know there was Baltimore hate. I, I There's know. a ton, dude. The, the biggest yeah. news organization on the planet names Baltimore as a failure. Like, names Baltimore as an example of what not to do in America. Um, and so it's shorthand for many, many people for a failed American city. And right. it just, I mean, it kind of is that way, but it isn't precisely that way. No, um, certainly not. It's not fair. It's, yeah, it's just, it, it doesn't give all of the structural and systemic stuff the credit, their credit, right? Like the racism and the class and all of that other stuff. Hmm. Yeah. I, I went up in March just to piggyback quickly on what Connor said. And like, like I love Atlanta. Atlanta is my favorite fucking city on the planet. Um, I've been here for you know, outside of a few years spent in Brooklyn, I've, I've been here since uh, basically 2001. And mm-hmm. Baltimore reminds me of a lot of what old Atlanta was like and what, what like, made me love the city. Like, it's it's urban and, like, you know, there's, there's tons of street art and just, like, cool mm-hmm. fucking people doing cool fucking shit. And it's, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's shat on. Like both places are Atlanta is now like developer central in a lot of ways, which really fucking sucks because it, it just pushes out the artists and the cool ass people like further, you know, further out toward the suburbs, which are also exorbitantly expensive. Um, but yeah, well, Baltimore, majority black cities. Yeah. yeah the, and I that, feel like that is the, that is like the main reason that they are hated. Oh, is that they are a majority black city and they're a place where black people can live nice lives. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yep. Anyway, we we digress. Uh, 
We could talk about the shells. So, so something yeah. just really, yeah. really, really briefly that I did notice out here, and I can't tell if this is just like something that I never noticed before or whatever. It's like, is this, I'm always constantly asking myself, is this an East Coast versus West Coast thing or what the fuck is going on? But like people here on the sidewalk, I will constantly be walk, going for a walk and I'll look up and there'll be somebody right in front of me. Like we're about to collide. And it's, and I, it's like, do you, like you walk on the right side of the sidewalk, right? Like that's, yeah, aren't you supposed right. to just walk on the way? Right. Dude, the fuck that does not happen out here. People are constantly walking on the left side and I'm always like, Holy shit! You almost bumped into me. What the fuck are you doing on my side of the sidewalk? God damn it! It's like driving. You outside of driving, UK, right? you drive on the right side of the road. Like I'm sure there are other places that also drive on the left. But for for all intents and purposes, I like, think there's only I think there's only one. I, I feel like uh, okay, maybe maybe. Anyway, like you walk uh, like on on the right side, and then you walk the opposite way on the left side. Like it's not fucking exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, people exactly. in New York would lose I mean, their fucking shit if you walked into them or almost walked <laughs> into them because your dumbass was going against the flow. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. Exactly. Well, okay. aren't we an against the flow show? I mean, mm. we are, but but in this context, the flow is the correct way because I'm a fast but walker. But walking, we are rigid. We yeah, are I'm rigid. A, I, am not, I am not, so. We, we like, have I'm not going to rule... take my car on the other side of the road, you know? No. <laughs> like, there have to be rules of that kind of thing in a in a functioning society, which is still questionable. But this is one of the hills I will <laughs> die on. You walk on the right side of the fucking sidewalk. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right then. Yeah. <laughs> Glad that's established. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so to get back, mm -hmm. what has become a regular feature on our show, we ask people for their first clothing memory. What? Mm -hmm. Was the what is the first thing that you go way back and you think, oh my god, this is my this is my clothing, um, I guess catalyst, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. I have earliest specter of clothing in the notes, which maybe yeah. uh, doesn't work, or maybe it does. It's, I it, it does to me. Like I, this one was an interesting one because I, it like popped a memory in my mind that I had not thought of or even realized was there, which I always love. So my first real, like, I had to go back, go back, dig, dig, dig to try to think of my earliest time when I became like aware of an item of clothing. You know, like when I was growing up, I didn't care about clothes and for school I had to wear uniforms and stuff like that. So like I uh, never really had to, it was not a art, it was not a personal expression, form of personal expression. But what I did want was a pair of these like Reebok pump sneakers. Did you guys yeah! know those things? Sure. <laughs> yes. Those were the sneakers. I begged my parents, please, 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 for the love of God, give me a, a pair of Reebok pumps. The one with the tennis ball, not the one with the basketball, please. Yeah. You know, like, and the feeling of, like, pumping it up and your foot getting tighter and, like, the, the sound of releasing the air and the, the, the sound of the pump, the air pumping in. I mean, I, I finally got a pair and I wore them till they completely fell apart. Nice, nice. Those were the Andre Agassi yeah. version. I, I'm Wait. Yeah, I, thought, I, I th they had I a, think... like a neon yellow tennis ball on them. Yep, yep. Those, yeah, I'm pretty sure those were Agassi. And then I, I want to say that Pete Sampras was sponsored by Nike. I, I could be mm. completely wrong. But I, I remember these fucking You guys singers. remember that? Dude, the fucking like Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi like thing that was the 90s tennis. Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was like, Do are you, you on Andre Agassi's? Mm-hmm. 
no, 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 go on. Well, Andre Agassi was like he was like the bad boy, right? He had like the long right. hair yeah. that was like yeah. he he took over the the McEnroe type of vibe. Yes, yeah. I but, was just gonna say how mm-hmm. much how much res- how much of the research about these puff up shoes do you think holds water? Mm. <laughs> the Nike, the Nike Shock, for example, the yeah. Nike Shock, the off yeah, the Nike Shock. I mean, is it the same as the Nike Shock, or is there really something to inflating the sneaker around your foot? I don't know. I've never played. I played basketball in rehab. I realized how hard it was. Mm. I never had such an. I had never had such an admiration for a basketball player in my life as I did when I was trying to hurl a basketball <laughs> like three feet. It's a. It's a. It's a kind of. It's a crazy. It's like thing. a fucking rock. Yeah, you're throwing this like thing through the hoop is it's fucking difficult. It's mm-hmm. like when I when you put your wrap your mind around pretty much all sports like baseball. The guy is throwing that really small, extremely hard ball very fast at you, and you're hitting it with this like stick. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, like your hand eye coordination has to be so on point that you actually in, in like major league baseball you have to start swinging before the pitcher has even left the has even thrown the ball it's kind of insane and like tennis they're serving in like 100 mile per hour serves at you have you ever have you ever played tennis against somebody who like is really good oh he's yeah. competent no he's like competent <laughs> holy shit I it's i it's yeah. fucking it's terrifying for one thing it's like when they serve that I, I played this woman once and she would serve and I'm like waiting for the ball, and I could hear it hit the chain fence behind me. Like, where? When the fuck did the ball come past me? I didn't even see it. Yeah, that's just like the the Nintendo 64 tennis game, and like the ball is on fire. <laughs> yeah, basically, exactly. <laughs> it's very scary. It's really like I don't know all that kind of shit. I just so I don't do it. You know, yeah. not yeah. even an armchair quarterback, just an armchair. <laughs> Yeah, do do you have any sport that you you play at all? Any anything that you? I grabbed? played lacrosse when I was a boy, um, like like many people in Maryland do. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I was like, I do not want to do this. Like mm-hmm. I played soccer too. I mean, it's a big, um, it's big like in that area, of course. Um, but it just was mostly like dad screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seemed to be like the majority of the majority of the game was like dad screaming for some reason. <laughs> and I don't mean and I'm not trying to be like, oh, my God, sports ball, you know, but like <laughs> it just is not my shit, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Matt, did you ever play sports? Um, I did. Um, I played from a very young age, baseball, basketball. Uh, I was never allowed to play football. Um, and then like, I think we got soccer leagues when I was like nine. And so I played soccer and then uh, also tennis, uh, for a very long time. Um, oh, soccer right. was always sure, my dude. favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ten- tennis, like you said, it, it, tennis, like you said, is, is insanely difficult. Um, soccer was difficult for sure, but I was like a defender, uh, or a midfielder. And so I basically just mm-hmm. got to slide tackle people. Uh, which was fucking sick. Uh, yeah. But yeah, w- once I found is music, it, is it art like, to a slide tackle? Oh, absolutely. And like you know, this was this was like World Cup '94 sir, era. Mm. So like, soccer became huge in the U.S. And so like, I watched you know, yeah. I watched the World Cup um, being a player and was like, fuck, these guys are going hard. So yeah, yeah. that. That was always the fun part because I couldn't play football 
And so, like, this was, like, second best. Mm -hmm. European football. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, I was going to bring this thing up. Uh, My cousin, Colin, uh, is the son of a diplomat, basically. So he grew up all over the place, as you did, and uh, did the whole thing. He ran around the Coliseum when he was in high school to practice running, like that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I was wondering if you had any any juicy gems, you know, like, uh, of your well-traveled youth. For sure. For sure, I, the uh, that example that you used of a person running laps around uh, the Coliseum is, in my mind, like the perfect uh, the perfect example of of what living overseas is like. Uh, it's it's the juxtaposition of like something mundane and ordinary with the completely extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so so the last place that I lived, um, even though I was only there for three years in El Salvador, is like what I think of when I think of being a child that's my, almost all my memories are concentrated in that time it was a very very extreme period of my life there was a civil war that was happening uh, it was like an incredibly violent it was like the sort of tail end of the war after eight or nine years of just vicious bloody horror yeah um so everything and, and my father was the ambassador there so it was like i remember not knowing what we were getting into really you know just being i was eight when we moved there and being set aside and being told like, look, you know, you're a target. Um, people are going to try to get to you to get to your father. So like, you know, and just being a, a kid and being like, holy shit, what the fuck? You know, like it was walls everywhere. There was, you, there was walls with razor wire and a broken glass that is like put it into the cement so that like anybody trying to get over, they would cut themselves. It was, you could never Jesus. go down the street. You know, there's no, I didn't ride a bike for three years. I didn't go on a walk. I like had a skateboard that I took with me that I didn't get to use because there was just not enough concrete for it. You would ride in like armored wow. cars and stuff like that. I mean, it's the kind of place where like uh, every, you'd basically go from one wall to another. And when you get to the gate, people would come out and look under your car for bombs. They were checking to see if you were going to be bringing anything in voluntary, like uh, intentionally or not. Um, and I think, I think so. It was it was this very fucking crazy ass place, but it was juxtaposed with just regular going to school, playing tetherball, swimming in a pool, going and like, but also living this like very strange privileged life. But in the backdrop, there's like, so uh, you would be out playing soccer or whatever is like recess for the, all the kids, and uh, there would be like a this would be like a common thing where a bomb would go off, boom, and everybody would just fucking stop what they were doing. You know, the, the birds would stop singing and everything like that. And you would just sort of, everybody would kind of look in the direction of the bomb and you would like hear it and then you would feel it kind of thing. Uh, and everybody would be just sort of waiting to hear if there was another one. And if there was another one, you would do a real quick calculation to see if it got closer or not. And if it got closer, then everybody, it's time to go inside kind of thing. And then if there wasn't another blast, then like slowly the life would kind of like, like somebody would be like turning the music back on, like turning the sound back on in the world. The birds would start chirping again. The soccer games would pick back up. The like sound of kids playing would all kind of like pick back up. And that was just like a common thing. Yeah, no, that's like, I guess, uh, an unfun childhood, child of a diplomat story. Like, um, yeah, you know, I mean, error basically. It was, yeah, it was, no, I it mean, was, even it, even if you have a fucking armored car, what does it matter? Totally, is it, it was terror and trauma, but at the same time, it made everything very sort of like uh, exciting in a way. You know, like like um, how, how to describe it? Like it, it it made that period of my life 
be almost like some weird mixture of a movie with real life. Like you kind of think, damn, did, did I really experience those things? I mean, like because of my father's position, the there would be a lot of like invites to uh, these like dormant volcano uh, lakes that we would swim in, um, Ilopango and Guatepeque, mm. or like go to like these beach houses. You'd go on the beach and there'd be literally nobody on the beach. Uh, you'd have to go... Like, but you were riding in the, an armored vehicle with a convoy of like people, and I mean, it was just like war, guns, military camo, bullets. Was like the ankle pistols, like those kind of like '80s mustaches and the '80s holsters. That was like that was my life constantly. Yeah. It was it was it was fucking wild and crazy. But like, there was a there would be a marine stationed uh on the in the in the residence so they would you know like they would have their like eight hour shifts so there'd be u.s marines and i'd come home from school go and hang out with whoever was there you know i became friends with these guys they were like early 20s from all over the united states i would you know when you live overseas anything that is american you just kind of like it represents home so you want to like talk about it find out about it heard about the simpsons through these guys they like would show me how to like wow. clean guns and stuff like that, like how to take apart a pistol and put it back together and oil it and stuff. I mean, it was a fucking crazy, crazy experience, but I look back on it very and You were like young. Yeah, I was very young. Mm -hmm. I was very young. There was a, there was actually a, a part where it did get very, very scary where there was a, uh, where the FMLN, which are the, the other side, the fight, the, the group that was trying to overthrow the government, they like mm -hmm. kind of had sort of had their breaking point. They'd been fighting, you know, the fights, the wars had been going on in the hills um, outside of the capital city. And like there'd be like bombs that would go off at restaurants and tar different targets. But um, there was a they kind of gathered together and siege the city um, for like nine months, something like that. Um, but, you know, it was a surprise attack. And the first night they attacked the president's residence and they attacked our residence. And we sat in uh, basically a closet for two or three straight days without coming out. Uh, you know, this closet was behind multiple steel doors and filled with radios just as they were like attacking our house, worried that they were going to breach it, that kind of shit, you know? And eventually yeah. they, they, they were pushed back and, uh, and then it became, it was called what was called the offensive. Um, and eventually it got so bad that they had to evacuate all of the families of AID and foreign service and military that were there that's a remarkable yeah yeah it was it was it was well it's pretty wild okay is it so chris you mentioned um camo a couple of minutes ago uh did, mm -hmm. you know with the the service members that you were around like do you kind of tie your love of camouflage now back into that yeah absolutely 100 percent. Hundred percent. like uh, sure. yeah uh i i mean i feel like we should, especially as we move through vintage clothing, as if this is like a passion of ours, we should always be sort of asking, like, why or, you know, trying to figure out the reasons for sometimes it's a justification or whatever. But for like for camo, you know, like I'm not a, a hunter or a violent person by any means, uh, but the the camo is a it is a reference to growing up surrounded by it. El Salvador military camo at the time. Uh, reminded me a lot of a uh, tiger stripe so when i saw tiger stripe that became instantly like okay this is the camouflage pattern that 
I want to know as much as I can about research and figure out what I can and then try to figure out if I can obtain something. Also, uh, growing up at in that tropical area in the 80s, it's when you saw a lot of like Hollywood films about Vietnam. So right, sure. right. Tune and, uh, and uh, Full Metal Jacket. I watched Full Metal Jacket a lot when I was a kid. Um, and like Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July casualties of war you know it was like it was a big like eight i guess oliver stone kind of kicked off it was a big time so i really oh, yeah. i kind of like merged those two things to me the vietnam war and the el salvador and tropical war kind of melted together in my brain right. and i i just i i kind of i wear the tiger stripe vietnam camo as a sort of like just a sort of walking reference to it Hell yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great question, Matt. That's a yeah, great question. That's, that's a fucking fantastic answer. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're also, gonna try. Yeah. Also, we're gonna try something new on this episode because in our, um, you know, in our prep work for this show, we we try to do as much digging as possible. And like, I kind of know you, Chris, uh, just through mm-hmm, you know yeah. Instagram things. But you know, we we found uh, a very good. Uh, blog article about you that, that kind of gave a rundown <laughs> yeah. of your like wildly good career. Um, so, can you give mm-hmm. us a one minute CV? Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. So, just just work related or uh, uh, or, or what? It's free like, form, basically. Yeah, free form. Okay. Free yeah form. I mean, right. you can okay. put whatever you want. You can put whatever Fair you enough. want on your CV. You can put your okay, volunteer activities. Probably. You can put the clubs that you're in. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So when I was about like 15, my brother and I started a band together. Um, it was pretty soon after that started like writing music, sitting down and discovering that, hey, I think I can actually write a song. Um, then I went mm-hmm. to college and I studied art history in college. That was like, I feel like these all things kind of like tie together. I, the you went to Maryland, history, right? I did go to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was where I was like, okay. I love this. This is like the history of a culture by looking at their art, by looking at their objects. Like I value an object, you know, I like to hold it up and and think about its historical references and contacts and stuff like that. So that mm-hmm. was a natural fit for me. From there, I started working at Dunbar and Oaks Museum, which is in like in Georgetown, a fantastic museum in their archive. And that's where archive world happened. I just worked there. I had a band uh, in DC and I was uh, just a, like a really perfect part-time situation for me worked there long enough that i could kick it into a full-time job <clears throat> at gw working in their archives in their special collections and now uh all these years later i'm like a professional archivist which is kind of like fuck how did that happen i didn't even go to grad school which is very strange as an archivist that's like i'm a i'm a definitely like a an outlier everybody who has tries to advance in this career you pretty much need a uh, uh, master's of library science that I was like, I don't fucking think I'm going to do that. I don't think I'm going to, I'll just continue to show up to work until they tell me to stop coming. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's, that's pretty much it. Then at some point I started an Instagram page and I'm pretty sure that will be the thing that I will be the most known. I will have connected with the most number of people. I like, right. I have a band now, uh, but I'm pretty sure that the, the people seeing pictures of me wearing pants in my backyard will be what I'll be known for as I exit this earth. As we live in the what year do you think they're gonna think? Mm-hmm. What do yeah. you think they're going to think in a hundred years? I mean, if we make it a hundred years, what do you think they're going to think in a hundred years when they look back at all of these pictures of these people? Like, dude, this guy took 50 pictures of himself yeah, every exactly. fucking day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Every day yeah. he took 50 pictures of himself and he 
agonized over which very slightly different yes. photo he was going to post to his Instagram. I know. I mean, Connor, I, I, I hate to admit this, but it's probably like 50 different pictures just for like one one pose. And then I switch poses and I then take another 50 and then I like switch locations and take another 100. I was I'm, talking about myself. I mean, I'm going to have to start doing that. Oh God. It, it seems like it seems like it it gets results for you. The more uh, pictures you take, maybe the better it is. Hey, that's you know, you go wide and then at some point you can go deep, kind of like uh, Terrence Malick, right? He shoots so mm-hmm. much footage and then he's, he makes the movie in the editing room. That's I always feel that art is really made in the edit. Interesting. That's a good one. We're going to yeah. write that one down. <laughs> yeah. Chris, mm-hmm. what, did, what did you and your brother's first band sound like, just out of curiosity? Also, what was yeah. the name of the band first? Oh, yeah. first, the, the name of the band. first name, sound, and if you have a demo, you have to send it. <laughs> oh, God. God, I hope there's no demo. Um, Sound, I don't even... Well, that we were called Marble, which is... I just don't... Okay. It's a good name. At. That's like a not that... That's like a not that embarrassing. I mean, My band was called the Castrati. You know, I, I was in a band called <laughs> I was in a band called Apaka Dash Lips, and we thought we were the funniest motherfuckers on the planet. Dude, okay, which yeah, is no, still really funny because now we have the apocalypse. Yeah, I know. I, oh my god, shit, Whoa, shit comes shit. full circle. Uh, Marble to me it sounds like a shoegaze band. Just, just yeah, uh, so yeah. Shoegaze we were... or like '90s uh, weirdo hardcore, like Super Touch or Into Another. Poof. I mean, I feel like you guys. I was thinking don't... like silver chair. Ooh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not it's... giving you shit. I'm not saying your no, no, band no. sounds like no, silver chair. No, I'm no. saying no. that marble sounds like a silver chair band. I'm gonna go yeah. on record. Yeah, another Phil I... will die on. Silver chair is fucking awesome. Continue. Yeah, they Underrated. were fine, but like of the New York, <laughs> of the Nirvana copy bands, like yeah. eh, they're better than Puddle of Mud. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not would even... you consider like Bush a Nirvana copy band? Hmm? Would you consider Bush like a Nirvana, Nirvana copy band? Yeah, I would say so. Like Bush and Creed and Puddle mm-hmm. of Mud uh, and Silverchair. I mean, I thought that Silverchair was like the Australian answer to Nirvana. Dude, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Listen to Frog Stomp front to back because that record is fucking great. And uh, it, they definitely were grunge, but like I would not even remotely categorize them as a Nirvana Copy band. Well, it's I, hard to, I mean, it's impossible to copy Nirvana, right? I, I like a million people tried, every one of them failed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end it with this. Like, they were definitely heavy, like Nirvana, but they, I think they took more away from like Allison Chains and Pearl Jam. Like, it's just grunge. It's good fucking grunge, like late stage grunge. Mm hmm. Late stage it, grunge, Jesus. Late stage <laughs> grunge, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, did not mean to go on the silver chair tangent. Uh, so, Marvel, what did you sound like? Oh God, what do we sound like? Um, I know that's a loaded question as a musician. No, no, we we were like very heavily influenced by like the Beatles, uh, but I would okay. not say that we sounded anything like the fucking Beatles. Like the Beatles and maybe like early U two. Like my my brother was my my brother was the drummer. But he was okay. really kind of like the he was also the singer too, so he was like the, the sort of like the main driver of it. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, like. But you practice, were the edge. I was. I was. I was actually playing bass. I was playing bass. So the 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 whole. What is way, his name? Larry something. Oh, uh, Larry Mullen Jr. is the drummer. Isn't that and, the drummer? Yeah. Yeah, and Adam Paul played. Something? My Adam mom Clayton. is gonna be so upset. 
Adam Clayton. Did you knew it? There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, my, my, really my, my brother, well. like, he fucking hated me for my entire life until he found out. I mean, he, like, ser- seriously hated me. I didn't want nothing to do with me. Uh, and he found out that I had, like, started playing bass in some band that I was fr- some friend of mine in middle school was like, you know, Hey, let's, uh, let's form a band. That, that sounds like a cool thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Whatever. Uh, sure. Um, and I think he like found out through my mom that I was playing bass in this band. And I just remember him like pulling me aside and being like, I heard you play bass in a band, huh? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're pretty good. You know, he's like, okay, well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to fucking quit that band and we're going to start a band. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. That's an older right. brother though. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. what an older brother does. Yeah. Totally, that's a good totally. move. Yeah, I was like, oh, so does that mean we could be friends? You know, like that kind of thing, basically. Like, <laughs> we're going to hang out. He, like, bought me a bunch of, like, bass tab magazines. Like, learn, oh, learn, this, yeah. learn this Led Zeppelin fucking bass. Like, okay. And I sat down and learned, the, you know, just, like, the fucking doors. Yeah, you know them? Yeah, I think. Well, you're going to learn how to play, like, People Are Strange or something like that. Okay, all right. Okay, let's do it. So we basically, you know, we, like, mined the 60s as hard as we could basically okay all right that that, that makes sense and also yeah. i don't know about so like you. a 60s homage yeah yeah i mean we weren't good or anything not by a fucking long shot but uh we we would practice some led zeppelin maybe some queen maybe some pink floyd kind of stuff uh which i guess gets into 70s but you know whatever we would just do that uh play a lot of Beatles. I learned a lot of Paul McCartney bass play, bass lines. Oh, um, okay. Yo, my yeah, first you know, he, I, melodic bass player. Nice. Yes. It, you play where it fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My, my first band was called Solaris. Off, one, mm, one like, awful like name. The, and it the was, book? I played bass and it was basically a Metallica cover band. So, nice. I don't know. I think nice. I'll give you the edge on this one. <laughs> oh, nice one. My <laughs> other band was hey. called The Self-Improvement of Salvador Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a Twilight Zone episode. It's really okay. a sad one. It's uh-huh. like, I used to know the whole story, but it's like, the short of it is the guy gets these wishes, right? And it's kind of a gift of the Magi situation. Mm-hmm. So he, like, does all this shit, and he gives away all of this shit for this woman, and, like, it just is a is a failure and he dies <laughs> and Ooh. that's like the story <laughs> damn uh, yeah i mean like so, a band he's trying to is, make himself better I, think about like how long we, we each spend trying to come up with that perfect band name for ourselves oh yeah that because that's, that's key it gives it gives the thought yeah yeah not, not coming up with the name n- naming things is it's hard it's hard coming up with the oh it's so fun. It's, it's, it's difficult. oh god is it, I don't one of think that we. I don't think that we had another name for this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we ever had another name other than Apocalypse Duds for this. Yeah, I yeah. saw this guy's username. I was really mad. This guy's username. I saw Flirt Vonnegut. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? I should have come up with that. Damn, that's fucking. I should have come up with that years yeah. and years and years and years ago. Oh, it says but so it was, much. Yes, yes. That's a that is a great user did but anyway uh, i mean uh, t- jesus christ try try coming up with naming your children that oh, the yeah. amount of oh, agonizing that i fucking like hand wringing and like writing scribbling down like having a chalkboard and like drawing yeah. red lines between things and scratching them out and like holy shit 
that was really hard. Yeah. Well, and then it's always like your partner's your partner was bullied by this person fifty oh. years ago, and so mm -hmm. you can't name your kid Jordan, and yep. that's the, really the name you want to choose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, how much is this going to get my kid harassed? Like you, kind right? Of have totally. To yeah. 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 Uh, no, yeah. I'm like my mom knew a guy named Kermit. Kermit. Yeah. Fucking, yeah, dude. Kermit? He was a. Yeah, dude. And there was another. There was another dude named Kermit. There's a black Kermit, which is my mom's friend, and the white Kermit, which is the which is the like uh, Annapolis character. Oh shit. And yeah, dude. The the duality of Kermit, because yeah. Kermit, my mom's friend, was like a poet, and Kermit, oh, the other yeah. guy, was just like a wild character. Jim Henson, if he had known this existed, would have smacked that shit out of somebody. Well, I don't. I think it must have been pre-Green Kermit, certainly for my mom's friend, because uh, well, I think Kermit okay. the Muppet came to life like in the late seventies, maybe. Oh yeah, this and I is think true. my mom was born well before that. So I What's... think that Kermit is not an invented name. Kermit is a a name. That. It that just might... so happens to be the 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 Muppet now, and so the name is fucked. It's like Adolf. Yeah, yeah. No one can yeah. ever have that name again, except yeah. for except for Young Dolph. Rest in peace. Right, right. Uh, th wow, this this episode is going wildly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you if can't have that worse. mustache either. It's like yeah, it's right. True, it's true. Uh, I don't know what's worse that Kermit was a name that was not invented by Jim Henson, or the fact mm. that people were named. Like, these are, it's like a chicken or the egg situation. I think it's kind of a good name. I mean, you could be like, you could have the pet name Kermy, as Kermit does in the Muppets. And oh, I Kermy. think that would be very nice. Yeah, Kermy. I mean. <laughs> and that would be nice. It's like, uh, it's like Clint or like uh, Kenny. You know, it's in that, and it's in that neighborhood. <laughs> but, but is it though? Is it though? Uh, anyway. <laughs> we talk about names. We talk about names a lot. We talk about names a lot. We were on the beach. We were trying to decide the names of these lifeguards. What is okay. the name of this lifeguard? What is the name of this lifeguard? Right? Right. Dick and Dodge. Anyway. anyway. Matt, I think it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Chris, so yeah. obviously from your uh, experience, you have worked with what a lot of people would call esoteric, uh, either items or objects or art or whatever, you know basically your entire career. Um, do you think that this has had any like influence on you in a lot of, or in ways that you would not have ex expected, like kind of getting into doing archival and, and et cetera work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, so my father even, you know, he's, he's I feel like he kind of, even though he's a diplomat, he has an arch archivist mind. He was like always very, like organizing his files and his filing system and he was a amateur photographer so like oh wow all these like yeah like back when you know you're shooting on film and you're like he was developing his own film and you know you really have to know the inner workings of camera and light and aperture and shutter speed and all that stuff sure. his so the the photos the the capturing of our experiences and his experiences like 60s 70s brazil Peru, God, Salvador. I can imagine. Oh, fuck! The photos are just—they're unreal. Like the it's, colors, I'm sure, amazing. It's just such a like incredible gift to go through because I'm, I'm actually doing this like so. I feel like my—I've always had this like thing there, this like 
understanding of history, historical context of objects. Also, you know, like our houses would always change, but the objects in the in the house were always the same. Um, and like just understanding. Mm. Yeah, like interesting. You wouldn't. He wouldn't like switch it up. No, no. So like you know, it's it would and it always be it always tell a story. It'd always be like this is oh this was I got this tasteful thing in this place in this market in this country when this was happening and let me tell you a story like everything is couched in a story it, i think it kind of actually helps with memory but like just yeah like a memory palace a memory palace exactly that's exactly what i was thinking of uh um you know i'm so i'm doing this i'm doing this ongoing oral history project with my dad where like i sit down and i record an hour and a half each session we have about maybe five or six sessions starting Shit. at the beginning i like just turn on the mic it's fucking i mean the, the guy has lived an insane life i like you want to talk about names the i feel like i've never come up with a more perfect name than dad style it's just it references so many different aspects of right. my life and my right. philosophy of life and everything like that and I the mean, fact I, that was, I was trying to figure it out yeah yeah it's i mean it's actually on on its surface it's a reference to a japanese fashion magazine that is vintage fashion magazine called free and easy that when i discovered mm -hmm. it oh, that was yeah. like my that was my that issue yeah it was that was the, my knowledge that's where i began my knowledge of like like putting historical significance or uh, context to vintage clothes. That's when I like started to go beyond the thrift store stuff that I was finding from like the seventies and maybe sixties into fifties, forties, military workwear, uh, you know, sportswear, all that stuff, uh, figuring out how to identify it and what the hell it even means. Um, but so that, yeah, all like on its surface, it's a reference to this thing that I got my education from. But it's also a reference to my father, whose style I mined and studied to the fact that I'm a father, and it's my style too. You know, like and the fact that I, I look to my family and family again. That was the other constant. Whenever you move around, your friends never knew when they were. It was time for them to leave. Never knew when it was time for you to leave. But your family was always the ones who were coming with you. Uh, so uh, anyway, just back to the the. Uh, I think like the thing that has floored me over and over again in doing my work is I'll be is realizing the like intense power that can sit in an object, particularly a primary source one. I'll, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the middle of doing something and I have to just stop, put down the letter that I was reading, the photograph I was looking at, the oral history interview I was listening to, and like, just take off my earphones and just sit in the silence of that power. Just sometimes cry. You know what I mean? Like there's right, fucking, right intense crazy stuff and i don't know if it's i'm just a very sensitive person which i i know i am but i also just like i feel that these things these objects they they glow with meaning you know like you pick something up and you can feel the power of it absolutely yeah 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 this is the show this is the whole point of the show like it's yeah it's just so cool that like because of your, you know, your work and your interests, like these things diverge in, in like the most beautiful mm -hmm. way. I think you, man. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And yeah, like as Connor said, this is the whole point of the show, like where, you know, where we all get this kind of shit. Like it's different for mm -hmm. everyone, but like, you know, if you care about how you look, there are things that have led you to that point. And, you know, mm -hmm. we want to, we, the whole point of the show is we want to name this. Yeah, the choices that the choices that you have made. Um, so for you, it seems like music has been a big uh, takeaway, I guess, from all of the places that you have gone. So 
we were wondering if you would give us a little peek into your, uh, I don't know, some of your m more eclectic finds. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you got that. Yeah, sure. If you uh, don't, it's fine. No, no, totally. I know you've got this. I, uh, I know you've got this. I've always, yeah. I always got something. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. So, so when I was in D.C., when I was working at GW, we were the, like, you know, the music archive there was, was really in its like infant stages. We were just, we were in the process of trying to figure out if we could even build something. Um, so it involved like a lot of just sort of going out and figuring out what was around us, what other organizations, archives were collecting and to try to not step on those toes, you know, like, okay, well, DC public library seems to really have the like punk zine thing down. They have that off and running and, you know, uh, even Maryland is is kind of tapping into hardcore punk and stuff like that. And Hell yeah. mm -hmm. so we were like, oh, let's, let's go to maybe some bluegrass. Let's see. You know, there's like uh, kind of jazz, what kind of folk music stuff can we unearth around here? Can we tie it to the university? That sort of thing. But actually, um, uh, as in the early stages, we still that still didn't stop us from uh, going to hang out with Ian Mackay, which was probably the coolest thing that got to happen when uh, I was there. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, <laughs> that was nuts I am because so incredibly so, envious right now. Well, yeah. so hang on a second. Who is Ian Mackay, right? Well, Matt, you wanna you wanna handle that? Uh, so yeah, who's gonna say? Who's gonna say? So Ian Mackay um, was basically the founder. Or one of the founders of uh, the very early '80s uh, DC hardcore punk scene. Uh, he runs Discord Records. Uh, he sang in Minor Threat, um, one of my top five bands of all time. Um, he also was uh, one of the singers, along with Gee from Rites of Spring and Fugazi, uh, also another top band of mine. But just an all like. And all around old head hardcore punk uh, still lives his life by the same type of ethos that he ha that he did in 1981. Uh, yes, I I could go on, but so someone's going to criticize because I didn't mention Embrace, and that's probably Chris Roy, but Embrace also another great Ian. So no, no, and so you're hanging yeah. out with this. You're hanging yeah. out with Ian McKayen. <laughs> well. I mean, more than hanging out with him because we were, he had invited us to go to his house and spend like an afternoon talking about, you know, the future of, of music archives and how it relates to what he's done to his past, to his, you know, like contribution to it, to like. Because the... he was finding a bunch of old, uh, he was collecting like show footage, right? Yeah, yeah. He was digitizing it uh, and then making mm -hmm. it available. And I think, um, if if anybody is like you know believe me it was it was weird sitting at his like uh living room table in that house walking over across that porch looking at this like the sheep skateboard representing George Washington University and talking to Ian Mackay about his stuff like it became very quick it became apparent very quickly that like i don't think i'm ever like i don't think i can convince this i convince him to hand over his like you know his personal treasures uh, and I'm pretty sure he didn't actually bring us here to listen to what we had to say. He really just kind of wanted to show us his house and, and his archive. And 
once I realized that I was like, I can completely take off my, I can just sit out of my professional self and just like enjoy this on a personal level, which is awesome. Cause you know, we go down to the basement and you see the history there and hearing about like rights. You're just like hearing about everything that was going on. You could, you could just fucking feel it. Um, and then going into his, there was a room upstairs on the second floor. As soon as you walked into it, you know, like the, the temperature dropped. 20 degrees because there were two air conditioning units in the windows and they were on full blast and it was basically his like cold storage room it had all of his master tapes um cassette tapes that his his mom would like put a recorder down on the kitchen table and just record whatever was going on in the kitchen day after day so he had wow. all this all these tapes of him being a teenager and henry rollins just hanging out and shooting the shit and all that shit um and uh, you know like his tour diaries his photographs it was it was unreal we went to uh wow. i mean yeah it there was definitely a moments where i would have like sort of these like weird like disassociated out of body kind of like jesus am i really here having this right. experience i feel kind of bad i kind of feel like i'm not worthy for this experience that i'm having you know what i mean like i feel like <laughs> like like did i deserve what did i do to deserve this um it was crazy. And I'll like, I remember him giving us a ride to the Metro kind of thing. And we were listening to these like Beatles recordings from this, from the, like the soundboard in between takes. It's just, it wasn't even the songs. It was just like the chatter from within the studio. It was, it was pretty crazy. That's, that's fucking insane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, totally. It was, it was totally Can I ask where he lives? Just like what neighborhood he lives in? It's in, oh, fuck, it's in Arlington, could... Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, what is the name of that? Oh record? my God! So he lives in Nova. That, that's yeah. insane. He, yeah, he's still he's still in the same house. His uh his record label is run out of a building like right across his little street. You know, we right, we, we right. went in to Discord yeah. to to look at for him to just kind of walk us around. And uh, do you know Ian Savonius? Do you know him from like uh, Nation and Lacey's? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the gang. He was there to pick up merch mm -hmm. for his tour he was about to go on. So he was just there, you know, hanging out. It was fucking cool. It was really crazy. Dude, that, that is the most like old ass punk dude situation that I've ever heard in my life. Like, it was insane. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Just, it, I, I am, again, envious that I did not get to, uh, to experience this. But holy shit. That's the, like. Dude, when you write a memoir, that's gonna that's gonna be the Gen <laughs> yeah. X and millennial like like coup de gras. Dude, I have like a I have a kind of an eye for detail. I think I think that comes oh, across in like like my eyes eat detail. So I could like describe the the paint of the walls <laughs> in each of the rooms we walk through. You know, like I mean, I was like sitting there silently for the, the couple of hours that we were there, just like my eyes darting around like trying to pick yeah. up as much information as i could like cementing it into my memory kind of thing this is, this is going to be our our so we're going to record that after we record the full interview and this is going to be our first paid episode so that uh <laughs> punk rock punk rock dorks can hear what every detail of the discord house looks like right we've got the punk rock the punk rock paywall yeah. the punk rock patreon yeah, yeah like the the antithesis yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fresh off of this because I went to a show the other night where I'm almost forty, and I was definitely on the younger side of the age range for mm. this band. Uh, shout out mm. all the Saints, my my buddy Matt's man. But yeah, like uh, I was waiting to get a drink from my buddy that was bartending, and there were like a few like uh, older dudes that came up, and they have they have seven inches and twelve inches like 
above the bar. And they were like, oh, we don't need anything. We're just going to point at these uh, records and talk about them for two minutes each uh, by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was just yeah. like a, a, a fucking uncanny, funny experience. But yeah, that that's gonna be this episode for all of those dudes that somehow listen to our stupid show. Ah, so and we uh, like to we like to educate people. We do. Like I was to gonna say hardcore in DC. This constitutes vernacular music. We saw that in the Stanford bio as well, and so yeah. I wanted to bring this up on the show because uh, I had never come across that term before, but I find it useful. Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically like the 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 sound of the, the the people of a certain place mm-hmm. so like vernacular right. language is like the the dialect yeah, it's like populist mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i think the idea was we were trying to find the music that like go-go music is a big dc thing too i mm-hmm. think it, it, it was birthed there so i processed like a, a, a go-go uh flyer collection i i think that was actually the only collection that i got to process while i was there that was a music it was musical what did those look like just out of curiosity, I mean, like, were they like kind of like slapdash, uh, sort of punk, super colorful, or were they super like color- yeah, super really colorful, well designed, high production? No, no, I wouldn't call them super high production. Uh, they, they the elements of the punk DIY, uh, photocopy, cut, uh, cut out and photocopy stuff, and also, uh, you know, just super super colorful. Basically, is what it was like. <laughs> Like yeah, colors that you wouldn't see so much on punk flyers, like you know, bright greens and pinks and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I guess I could have figured that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, it was, it was, it was cool. That was a that was a fun one. Um, I actually to take it to Stanford, the collection that I processed there. So this, it's all been music collections. I'm, I work in a music archive. Uh, the I had the, probably my favorite one so far was this like punk uh like new wave photograph collection where there was a was a woman who was basically learning how to she was like teaching herself how to take photos at the same time in the early 80s as like punk is kind of blowing up and new wave music is kind of blowing up so she would bring her camera to shows and kind of like figured out that if she brought it she could kind of like get close to the stage and just her photos of of whatever shows she went to were really fucking i mean she was a fantastic photographer and her her shots of the stage of all these different bands and shots of the audience are probably my favorite where she would turn around and shoot the audience. You could see like what these punks were wearing and uh, what these new wave kids were wearing in like 81, 82. Is that available? Is that like uh, accessible? Yeah, it should be. I'm pretty sure. Because uh, huh, we we'll have to get the link for that. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure that our, our listeners would be mega interested in that. And certainly Matt and I are interested in it as well. I'll send it to you for sure. Um, yeah. That we digitize a, like maybe a quarter of it, uh, and the contact sheets and stuff like that. So, like cool shots of the plasmatics, cool shots of Iggy Pop and stuff like that. Also, oh. also uh, yeah, I mean, good shit where you can like see, you know, like she's like right there at the front of the stage, and the 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 light thrown on him from right. the flash is just like it's just epic. Um, I'll 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 find the links for you and send them to him. Too. Oh yeah, that that'd be great, man. And of course, we'll you know definitely anything we post in like stories or whatever, we'll include the link because people need to see this shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the the like just a really really brief thing is that her collection came coupled with another collection, which was that her husband, um, and he was in a Bay Bay Area punk, uh, maybe you know like punkish, new wave ish. Uh, at the same time, they met each other through the scene and. 
like so she documented his practices and stuff like that but what you get between the so his his collection is all like lyric sheets of flyer stuff stencil t-shirts the how like the the templates for the flyers and like the how funny they were and stuff like that but like just like you know how how they were made and um the story the oral history of the story of their band and things and between the two of them you get this like fucking like really awesome like slice of a of a scene it's it's really fantastic yeah yeah it's really cool to work on them back to back yeah it was really cool yeah and it sounds like you know like the go-go and punk intermingling uh in dc like i'm sure you've come across that um like san francisco you know there's all these like there's all these various types of genres going on and like in certain ways a lot of a lot of the influence comes from a different genre like is that kind of something you've noticed in doing this type of work that like a lot of this shit is, is just interconnected? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the environment plays such a huge part, right? Like, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but, uh, yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely see it in, I mean, you can also see the influence crossing across, you know, like, uh, bands that would go on tour and ignite a fire on the other side of the country, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, um, but yeah, no, you can you can definitely kind of, I mean that's that's kind of like the sort of details when you're when you're processing it like God, am I seeing this because I'm right really seeing it or am I like is this something that I have imposed on it you know what I mean? Uh, but no, no, for sure, there's definitely there's definitely like a, a difference to the like the even the 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 show photographs that i was seeing you know right. like you could just sort of it just seems like a different style happening a different like even i don't know yeah it i, I don't know if i can if i'm articulating it well but i i, I definitely could tell it i could sense a difference well you are yeah. we're gonna see them anyway yeah there you go yeah we are, we are gonna see them how you about know, that we're a third it's a thorough program we have like, here here we go there we go you know, not like kind of DC related, like I think of the Badbirds and how they mixed mm-hmm. like like the best punk that's ever been played or hardcore punk uh, and reggae and like you know you you hear their influence on on like like modern rock bands and and shit like I don't know it, mm-hmm. it's just like it's very interesting to me uh, the the way that like different genres and types of music connect. Uh, in ways that are a lot geographic. So uh, mm-hmm. I guess like that, that was the question I came up with. And I was just wondering if you had, you know, kind of seen any correlation and it sounds like that, that is what you see. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that for sure. Okay. So finally to clothing, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we touched it a little bit, but here we are now in the bolded section. Uh, so we really liked your nod posts on Instagram, which are like shout outs to people who you admire, uh, and the beard and hair and denim progress posts. I wanted to ask you about the selfie as a journal, a journaling tool. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate, I appreciate the appreciation. Um, those, those nod posts were like, you know, I kind of felt like coming into the vintage Instagram community, I, had no idea you know i i collected vintage in a sort of isolation for years and years and years i without social media nobody around me that i knew was into it certainly not to the degree that i was and if i ever met anybody that 
made the mistake of complimenting something of mine, I would like use that as an opportunity to unload all the information that I, I had gleaned about the buttons and stuff like that. So when I found Instagram, you know, like that little pocket in that corner of the world and people were cool to mm. me, I felt like I needed to pay my respect to them. That's like a, a thing I like. I did boxing and stuff like that. I did like uh, Thai boxing for years and paying your respect is like a big part of that. Like you pay your respect constantly. Like when you step on and off a mat, when you are about to spar with somebody, you pay respect at the beginning, the end of class, when you're even holding, somebody's holding focus mitts or tie pads, you pay your respect to them. You show your respect. So like- You say pay your respect to the game? No, no, to the, uh, to, what did I say? Well, you do pay respect to the game, right? Like, right. No, yeah. no, no. I just yeah. thought if you, if you, that is what you said, that's a good phrase. So you respect <laughs> yeah. to the game. That, yeah. That yeah the, that, the best hip hop lyric ever written. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you, you should, you should, you should absolutely respect the game for sure. Um, even the players you need to respect sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, I, I did that for a whole number of reasons i set parameters for myself i feel like in creating art i i sometimes really like to put like uh limits i think that that kind of helps make me be more creative so i like i didn't buy anything for those things i didn't uh use anybody else's help so if you ever see me like any of those photos i was trying to figure out how to get the angle properly without a tripod without asking somebody to hold my camera and take a photo um oh man that's so good because it's like almost every time you fucking hit it uh, thank you yeah i you know it's like sometimes it's like the t-shirt is like a slightly different (laughs) t-shirt but like for the most part it's like this picture is a facsimile. Wow, thank you. I I I would spend a long time. I just think it's it. great. When I saw it, I thought it was awesome. I think like, why aren't more people doing this kind of thing? Well, no, thank you. I mean, like, uh, I uh, I feel like it stretched me a lot. You know, like you think about like the Beatles playing at Hamburg and how they fucking had to play like seven hour shifts or whatever. Like, I feel like yeah. just taking all those photos really kind of got me better and better at it. Uh, made me like focus hyper on the details um so I, you'll never see my you, you know whenever i'm like there's a kid in there i'm like holding a teddy bear or whatever is because i like i didn't want to involve anybody in it except for myself uh right right so yeah like uh dude what restraint <laughs> I mean, that's like fucking that's like fucking crazy i would tell people i didn't get any help and then i would get help you get help now like i i had to do them i had to take those photos in like the whatever i had like a real short burst of downtime if it was like like pasta was boiling for dinner and I would like get myself dressed and then run outside and like really quickly take the photos and then run back in kind of thing. Like, Dude, that makes it so much, that makes it so much worse because it's like, they're great. And it, for you, it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It was, it was, thank you. I, I, no, it was, it was, it was fun. And, and there's times when I miss it. Um, but, uh, I also like, I, I did them every week for like like three or four straight months. And you guys have got to look, you got to look at the Instagram because there are tons and tons and tons of these posts and they are great. Each one of them is great. They're all fucking awesome. Every single one. No, thank you. And I have one of, of, of Matt as well, you know, like with the sunglasses and the bandana and the denim jacket and the, I mean, like it would, it would be like, I'd have to like, take a shot, go back, look at my phone. Ah, I was like, damn, my chin is all wrong. It's like the, the angle of my chin is all wrong. Go back, take another three shots, go back to the phone, look at it. Ah, then, like at some point, sometimes I'd be taking them out in the hot sun and my phone is like melting and like powering down. I'm like, no, 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 come on, God, God damn it. I'm like getting bit by mosquitoes and stuff, you know, like Maryland, 
Maryland this, mosquitoes can be vicious. Oh uh, yeah, terrible, yeah. terrible. The worst, worst in North America. Yeah, Matt might challenge that, but yeah, they're really motherfuckers yeah. up here. Yeah, they have no reason. They have no reason to be that way <laughs> because we do not live. Re- we live in the south, of course, but we don't live that far south. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Georgia bugs say fuck you. They're way worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, they're they're thankfully mosquitoes don't really give a shit about me. Mostly, I'm, I I don't know why. But I, I get very because you're not very sweet. Yeah, probably not. Uh, the copious amount of caffeine and nicotine probably do not add to a good flavor in my blood. Um, mm. But yeah, they're they're fucking terrible either way. Um, so kind of our our usual uh, menagerie of in questions, Chris. Um, I want to mm-hmm. throw a little bit of a curveball, but yeah, hit me. You know, you've got a great vintage collection. Like, you know, there's there's tons of us that connected with you because of this kind of thing. So, do you remember what your first vintage clothing purchase was? Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, like uh, not not when you didn't know and you purchased something cool, but like what your first you know active purchase was. Yeah, hmm. let's see. Um, my first like time when I was like, I'm going to look for something vintage was. Uh, uh, I was looking for like a corduroy blazer. Like a, I, I was super into the strokes. And I knew I wanted like a corduroy <laughs> blazer. And, <Nice. laughs> mm-hmm. and my wife was like, my, you know, my girl, girlfriend at the time was like, Oh, let's go to a thrift store. I know a couple of thrift stores on near campus. Let's like, okay. Thrift stores. I had no idea. All right. We go. And I find the first one we went to, I found a perfect dark Brown seventies, like corduroy blazer that fit me. Perfect. Like a fucking glove. It was like, and I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I look at the price tag and it's like $3. I'm like, holy shit. And that basically blew up the rest of my life. Like I knew that. And it was over. It, it was over. This is, this is it. This is like, I can get, I, I can get, but you know, like that never happened. You don't really get, you don't get to like pick what you want to look for in a thrift store and then go and find it. So no, I, right. I felt Very like that was rare. like a really awesome. Very rare. That was a nice, like magical experience. But the first like vintage clothing thing where I was like, I had found something and I like, I knew I'm going to like do whatever it takes to try to find something. And it is actually my favorite piece of clothing to this day is, is a, the, a World War II shawl collar denim jacket. That's like, to me, it's oh. the iconic jacket. Wait, you found that in the wild? I didn't find it in the wild. I went and I like, I hunted on eBay for, I, I had seen them. I kept seeing them in these Japanese magazines. Um, they would have sections at the end where they would take pictures of just like random people that were on the street or like right. in, they were wearing vintage. And I kept seeing this, these types of jackets appearing and they didn't look like anything in modern times. Like, like the, the trucker denim jacket, you know, that goes across generations, but a shawl collar denim jacket is just not a thing to really ever see. That it's a right. style. I that... don't think that I have ever seen that. I don't think I've ever seen. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, yeah, I, it... I love the idea. I love the idea. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's a thing that had its time and then was just not used anymore. Oh and... yeah, I've seen this kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the they're the best. They're, they're... I was thinking. Of, I was thinking like a lower gorge. Oh, like, like more a, like a cardigan, I guess, but denim, uh, yeah. which I guess no. this kind of is. Even so, this thing is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The, the collar is not like super, super shawl, like, you know, like right. a, a cardigan. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's, and, and the thing is, is like for my that was another thing is discovering about vintage was it definitely ticked all these boxes for me. But mainly like I'm not of a, a large 
like man size. I'm a kind of, I have smallish shoulders. I have a kind of a smallish frame and wearing vintage clothing. Like that's like the perfect, perfect thing. These shawl collar jackets, especially old military stuff. Can't tell you how often I look like some kid wearing their, his father's clothes when I try to put on <laughs> some like old military jacket. But like these shawl collar jackets, they're for whatever reason, their cut is absolutely perfect for me. Sleeve, shoulders. If I just get like the right chest, then everything else works perfectly. Oh, that's awesome. That That is not something that's very uh, common either. Like it, you do have a good frame to wear a lot of vintage military stuff. But like those are very particular fit lines. You yeah. look like my you look like my best friend. He is like tall and thin and like wears this sort of thing very easily and very well. That's nice. I you know, I I, I have this thing where like I think my brain works like this. I don't know if other people's brains work like this. It's kind of hard to you have a uh, you come to a conclusion. It's hard to not apply it to everybody else. You know, you think we are the world. But like I I meet <laughs> I meet somebody and I go, Oh my god, you look exactly like this like it is uncanny how much you look like this friend of mine and then i want to be really nice to that person because those emotions transfer but also like the more i get to know that person the less they look like them so i think it's like this thing where my brain is being like oh you know it's i i know this face and i'm just basically i i have made it create another file for this new person i have put their name on that file and i've just basically taken that face from my other friend and put it in there as that a, you know as, right, that i know right. as it's a just your frame it's just your frame it's yeah. just your oh, it's my frame yeah. height my heights height and slight you uh -huh. know yeah but it's no it's i mean it's like um he can never find any fucking clothes he's like very he's a software developer you know so he can mm -hmm. afford this shit mm -hmm. and he can never find anything and so i was going through your instagram i was like damn like every one of these fucking things fits really great mm -hmm. <laughs> so i don't know yeah yeah, I, I, there's something to be said about like knowing your measurements, but also like I don't know. I feel like I can look at a photo of an item. I've looked at so many clothes, I just so many pictures of clothes that like I can. I feel like I can tell yeah. even without it having a measurements. I can kind of tell that's going to fit me pretty easily. Like I can tell roughly what its chest to shoulder ratio is. Yeah, uh, I, I feel yeah. very bad for people that can't do that because that's also a skill that I have. Like I, I know, like I know measurements, obviously, but like I also know how I personally like things to fit, and so mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like it, with it, with not thinking about like a really, really, really awful photo where it really shows no proportions. Like you give me a basic flat lay, I can probably eyeball it pretty fucking. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. that's a skill. Like learning is, a skill, it right? is. It, it comes with a, a lot of uh, honing. You, you have to do mm -hmm. that over and over again and fail dramatically. Well, you have to fuck up a yep. million times oh, to, yeah. to get any, to like measurements sure. can yeah, fuck up. to get your calibration. Yeah. Oh yeah. My it, God. I mean, for some reason there's a difference between like 30 inches and 30 inches. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's an element of gambling to it. You, you're sure. risk, sure. risk taking and gambling, you're, which is exhilarating. I for think sure. like Absolutely. you order something, it's mm -hmm. not going to be here for three weeks. You're not positive. Mm -hmm. It's going to fit. Yeah. You get it. What a rush. Dude. My God. And if the yeah. thing fits, it's like uh, ecstasy. No, Connor, which rarely does. I completely agree. There's, I, I, I think of that as like the, I call that like, I don't need the mirror feeling. I like put right, the thing on right. self-explanatory. I don't need to look at it. I can feel that this fucking thing is going to look awesome. As soon as I flip around and look at the mirror, I don't like, I don't even need it. Like, this jacket 
fucking perfect and there's this feeling of like warmth that goes through you was you yep. like you're like uh all the endorphin releases oh yep. god fuck yeah yeah i gambled and it paid off i i bet on the right horse that's like the best serotonin boost that i as a fucking clothing dork can personally think of uh like mm. i i'm not one to try things on at a thrift store like mm. i can pretty much eyeball yeah. it you know and so sure. when you mm-hmm. get home and you put it on and you're like this is me it's just like Mm-hmm. Yeah. just yeah totally yeah you have, <laughs> you have to think about all the circumstances like all all the fucking circumstances that had to lead to that piece of clothing right getting into your mailbox and then getting onto your back right like totally this totally. fucking which, thing which, yeah it goes back to your like like your philosophy with the objects and things that that you handle professionally and like that leads over into your your collecting habits like you know, mm-hmm. it's it's the same feeling essentially. Yeah, it's yeah. I I feel like there's um I don't know. This is a bit of a moving off on a little bit of a tangent, but I guess I did kind of want to pick your brains, both of you, about like how you feel in terms of your relationship to Instagram. Like, do you is it the same? Is it getting better over time or worse? <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. I would say, like, fully, it's bad. It used to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of course, it was bought, and that was not ideal. Um, but it does, it just seemed to have no direction, right? Like, for a while, they were like, everyone needs to post a video, even mm-hmm. though the explicit and in the name purpose of the app is photo, mm-hmm. you know? So it just seems confused to me. Um, and we certainly aren't having a ter- terrific amount of success with the Apocalypse Duds Instagram. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the algorithm doesn't give a shit about it at all. Yeah. I So, like things in the nature of eBay, Etsy, um, whatever. Like, Instagram... Any product. Any Basically, any product. Like, uh, Instagram, to me, feels like mostly a necessary evil. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there's just nothing. Else. So I, I love personally selling to people like you, Chris, like, uh, or people that I have some sort of connection with and like wants to buy something, um, that means something to them. Like I love selling in person too. Like eBay, Etsy, all this shit is, it's fine. Like I use eBay cause I've used it for 20 plus years, but it's not my favorite unless someone is like, you know, I got a message from a guy that I sold like a patched up jacket to and he was like, dude, I like I love this. Like this is what I collect. Let me know if you find more. You know, so I got that kind of mm-hmm. like one on one interaction. Um on Instagram, like that's what I enjoy and that's what happens so little these days. Um but mm-hmm. I still It's like, how the, we met. Yeah, the record. It, how, I don't know if you know that. But... I met. Um, that's how Matt and I met. So, like, okay. it, it's almost like I long for the days when that was mostly what it was. But also, yeah. I talk to a lot of, like, people that I would consider close, you know, most days on Instagram. And, like, I feel like that has been a platform where, like, you find your people. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm torn about it. Like, I still... It is a community. It, it's Like a community. you said earlier. Yeah. Like, I, I still enjoy it more than not. And so for now, like, I'm too old for fucking TikTok. I ain't got time to learn that shit. Uh, I'll just keep yeah, doing my, my usual shit on Instagram. And, you know, if it if it eventually dies like Tumblr did, uh, which also I think 
hopefully we'll make a resurgence because it was perfect. Not going to go on a tangent on that. Yeah. But like, I still enjoy Instagram mostly. It just, you know, it sucks mm. when you post something and you're like, oh yeah, this is going to pop. But that's, yeah. that is what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a necessary evil. Exactly. It's exactly. like ever. it's something, it's something that everyone does begrudgingly. Um, right. I think and my final word on this is that there will come a point where they make all of the videos autoplay, which I think they already do, but they will make them with volume. And that will be the, the time that I don't use it anymore because I really don't want to deal with that shit. I don't want to have right. like music playing at me that I don't want. Anyway, but thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. Thank it's you. nice. A uh, you know, little role reversal. If, if any meta employee is listening to this and you have clout, bring back the chronological <laughs> feed. God damn it! That's the only fucking thing that any of us want. Yeah. Back. Oh god. Like, yeah. You can do whatever yeah. the fuck Yuck, else you want. Come on. Bring back the chronological feed. I, I think there is some stupid fucking way to do it. I don't want to do that shit. I'm. Let us know when we are done. You know, I want to know when there's nothing else to look at. Give me fucking five minutes of peace. Oh, God, dude. That's the thing is this thing. I feel like this this app is like yelling at me from wherever my phone is like, hey, you there's there's a there's a deal to be had. Just open the goddamn app and you will find there's a story and there's somewhere there is a jacket that is waiting for you dude and there's a fucking deal and if you don't log in and refresh it you missed it you missed it it's yeah, gone yeah you're like you see somebody's story sale hey oh they're having a story sale oh my god holy shit oh my god it's perfect and then you, you can see there's more dashes you know no 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 click sold fuck god damn it if i had not been doing my job instead of looking at instagram i could have gotten had this jacket or pair of pants or pair of <laughs> socks or whatever the fuck the the, I think that me, that's a hard thing is like, I I feel like the more recently I've been starting to really, over the pandemic too, I started to like really look at it with a sort of side eye, like, are you still helping me? Are you like hurting me more than, right. more than you're loving me? You know, like, yeah. are you taking from me and I'm not aware of how much you're stealing from my life? Like every minute I'm not looking up at the world and I'm looking down at my phone, I'm like, missing am i missing out on my kids like you know trying to play yahtzee with me or some shit you know like it's it's crazy I, yahtzee baby yahtzee it all comes back yahtzee sales are about to go fucking through the roof uh, hashtag yahtzee come on guys yeah so we're yeah. gonna hashtag yahtzee oh jesus Christ. <laughs> all right I'm, I'm making a note of this right the fuck now uh it's y-a-t-y-a-z it's got Wait, a couple of y-a-t-z-e I think it's Y A H T Z E E. Oh my God! Well, we'll have to figure this out. We'll have to figure this out in the a- in the aftermath. Yeah. Um. That is all we have, I think. Mm, yeah. yeah. We uh it's... we always like to give you know guests a chance to plug whatever they would like to plug. We already said your at dads underscore style on Instagram. How do we recommend to follow? And also just hell yeah, absolutely, and check out those nods posts. Yes, oh my gosh. yes, but uh, yeah, have at it. Uh, well, just it's this has been a blast. I am thank you so much for having me on for real. <laughs> I it's been fucking uh, great. Yeah, this was super great. Yeah, this was awesome. I had high hopes and they were met. So uh, well, thank you. Exceeded I, even. <laughs> that's that, that makes me happy. I'm, I'm glad I didn't come on and uh, definitely ramble on, mumble, make you guys 
No, dude, and the mic sounds good, and you are like a charm, so this has been a wonderful episode, and I think that our guests, our audience will think likewise. We are also ramblers, if you didn't pick up on that, so we we appreciate a ramble. Yeah, tangent, tangent, and ramblers. Well, I love I love what you two are doing. I really do. I all my all my support and love for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. No. Yes. Means a lot. Much love. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I have a band. You guys should check it. Somebody should check it out. Please, somebody it's check it out. It's it's, it's good. It's great. me. It's me and my friend. So thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, you know we have music. That's that's it. That's that's it. Um, that's I'm what, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Oh, the band's called La Palma. You can the link. You can see my link in in my uh, profile. Oh yeah, information. It's in the bio. Yes. In the bio. Yes, yes, that's it. It's in the bio. I, yep. Mm-hmm. Highly yeah. recommend uh, La Palma. They're they're a wonderful sounding band. Thank you, man. Of course, of course. Um, you know he make you know he makes good music. Yeah, you you know he does. <laughs> that, that taste is too good. Um, so yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, apocalypsestuds at gmail.com or at apocalypsestuds on Instagram. Uh, please follow, rate, whatever you want to do on Spotify or your platform of choice. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. I am Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues. And I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. And we'll see you next week.